report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He lays a clankus. Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we are talking about two novels in the Star Wars universe. The first is titled Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good, and the second is Thrawn Ascendancy, Lesser Evil, the second and third books of the, uh, I guess, is it the Ascendancy trilogy? Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, really looking forward to talking about both of these books with you both. How are you guys doing? Well, doing good today. Yeah, it's been way too long. I know we've been a little, uh, we've been off for a few weeks again. We, you know, it's been the off season, so we've been uh, busy with other stuff, taking a couple breaks, but we're excited to get back and talk Star Wars with all of you. And of course, good to hear both of your voices again. It's been been too long. Yeah, it has. And yeah. and we picked a good topic to come back on too. Indeed, I mean, we've been we've been wanting to review. Uh, we've been very excited about reviewing Greater Good, of course. And now this week, Lesser Evil just dropped the the conclusion to Thrawn's uh, ascendancy, uh, the ascendancy trilogy, and it's it's a good one. I'm looking forward to digging in on this book. Um, before uh, before we do though, real quick, we have a couple of announcements. Um, as uh, as you may have heard uh, last week, that we had Disney Plus Day. And as part of, just a little over a week ago, and as part of Disney Plus Day, um, uh, Disney dropped a new uh, teaser for Kenobi, showing off some concept art uh, for the the new series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. It looks awesome. Uh, as well as a 20-minute or so documentary uh, looking at um, Bo- Boba Fett and the history of Boba Fett, um, just in time for the book of Boba Fett that launches in, my goodness, just over a month Oh, yeah. And we'll be back weekly with our I reviews of the book of both. Cannot, oh. cannot wait. Oh, I am cannot wait. so, so excited. So excited. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's that's really it. It was kind of light on Disney Plus Day. Um, there's been some other, you know, news and rumors coming out around like casting for Sabine in the Ahsoka series and. Uh, I guess it looks like Andor will be coming out in July, sometime between July and September in Disney's Q4 financial quarter. And of course, uh, it looks like Rogue Squadron has been unfortunately put on hold due to, uh, they said due to scheduling issues, I, but um, kind of a bummer, bummer there. But at least we have a lot of good series coming up. But to, that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about Thrawn and his, or the Chiss's ascendancy, which I think changes in some ways how we look at Thrawn in some of the absolutely oh absolutely yeah so should we uh shall we get into this yeah so tonight what we're going to do is we're reviewing two books this is Thrawn Ascendancy book two greater good and book three lesser of evil and naturally they're both written by Timothy Zahn and I'm telling you these books really I think it for me especially the third book painted Thrawn in a different light. And also what I loved about the third book, but we'll get to that later, is it sets up what happens to Thrawn later in his life. And we finally get an explanation of why. But the second book actually does a really good job setting up what happens going into the third book. Yeah. So what, so, you, what, what did you guys think of this one? So I'll say, uh, I'm gonna start very broad and we can get into more specifics. Um, okay. The th- original Thrawn trilogy, especially the Thrawn duology and the old kind of Legends novels, remain some of my favorite uh, Star Wars books. And one of the reasons for that was the peak they gave us into the Chiss Ascendancy and the Unknown Regions and this super interesting uh, part of the universe that we never got to explore. And I think my favorite part about all three of these novels, but especially these last two, is just how amazing Zahn does at building up the Chiss Ascendancy and yep. mm-hmm. uh, the chaos, as it's called, as its own corner of the universe. The detail is yeah. incredible. Where yeah, it is. It, it really is. It might be more detailed than any other part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms and, of how the layering and the, yeah. how 
how real it feels. Right. And and for me, the best thing about it is, and, and I'm going to join all the families. It's almost like they're mafia families. Or if you want to say it's like the huts, the huts have their different families, which we knew that the case there. And in this case, like I said, it's like, but, but Thrawn really, really gets into the detail of these families and how far they go down where it's not just the ruling nine, but then there's the 40 underneath it. But what makes this work is to me, I did not feel lost with any of the explanation at all when it comes to the families and how it works. It all makes sense, but the, 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 but it's so well detailed and, you know, you, you learn about, you know, how the internal politics of these families works, why there are nine ruling families and the 40, you know, lesser families and then everyone else. And, you know, how you go from like a, you know, uh, um, uh, progress through the ranks of the family, right. All the way up right. to, to blood or even, even, you know, the, 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 the patriarch or whatever. It's, it's, it's fascinating how they, um, uh, how, how they, how Zahn has really developed this part of the galaxy and, and mm. you know how they handle space travel. I think we talked about this in a review of the first book in this, in this trilogy, how they handle space travel with the, the skywalkers and how it's a top secret thing and nobody else knows, but everyone else in the, in the, in the ascendancy or in the, in, in, in um, the unknown regions, you know, they, they have to use pathfinders and it's just, it's, I, I just cannot, I, I can't praise the detail of this book and this mm-hmm. trilogy enough. Uh, I'll say my biggest, honestly, my biggest complaint is I don't know when I'll get to see it again. <laughs> yeah, but I agree. We'll talk about we'll talk about the end of the trilogy in a moment. But it it to me feels like this was kind of the end of the story they had set out to tell. Um, boy, I hope we see more of it. But yep. there's just there's so much to it, and you can even it. I think the biggest thing is it has that feeling where it's like, oh, we it, it Zahn only scratched the surface here. Mm-hmm. We got to see a lot of the politics between, you know, a couple of the major families, but some of them didn't really show up very much in uh, throughout the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're focused on a couple of conflicts, a couple of parts of the fleet. Um, there's so much more here that I want to see and read. And I, Zon does a great job with the characters as well. Not just right. Thrawn, but many of the supporting cast, I felt like really came to their own over the course of all three novels. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And and when it comes to the fleet, the thing that I found surprising, there wasn't the expansionary fleet, but it seemed like each of the families had their own quote unquote fleet as well. And it seemed like that it, I think it was especially within the second book that the family could call back an officer that's in the ex- expeditionary force to be part of that fleet if there is an emergency. Because I think that happened to um, I hope I get this right um, to senior captain Lakinda. I think she was pulled back to go to her fleet within the second book. But the well, other thing, yes, of course, there's Lakinda in the second book, but then there's Zinda in the third book. And <laughs> yeah. that's what I was, but wait a minute, wait a minute. That's what I was going to get to because when we were talking about the families and stuff, the thing that I found fascinating was you could quote unquote steal somebody from another family because you just touched on a thing that basically you could be a merit adoptive into that family. You don't have to be blood. It's almost like it, it, the the way they originally set up, or the way um, um, when you look at Mandalore from the now Legends, mm-hmm. and Karen Travis had it set up to where you technically don't have to be a true Mandalorian. You could be basically brought in and quote unquote adopted to be a Mandalorian. This is kind of the same way within the Chiss, because Stephen, you brought the same, you brought this up within the third book. Lakinda ended up being, I thank you for saying Linda. the name because I forgot. Yeah, in <laughs> yeah. in the third book, because so- she jumped families. Because she was something else, she ended up being a Reezy, or backwards or forwards or whatever. So I'll say, without, I don't want to go too deep in yeah, I know. Mandalorians and Karen Travis, but I'll say, something that I think one of the things that drew so many people in in the, uh, man, I was going to say, the Clone Commando novels, is the same thing that happens here, is the depth of the culture we got on Mandalore and the depth of yes. the culture we got on the Chiss. Yeah. Yes. Just, it brings it to a different level, to the point where... Yeah, it does. You, we could have a full podcast talking about the intricate political, you know, balance between the families <laughs> and how the novels like explore it and change it and what's going to happen next. Um, it would not be a very exciting podcast. No, but I mean, I, I beg to differ. Would, but we would enjoy it. But <laughs> well, I, I think I think we'd enjoy I it. Know. But I, I think halfway through, I would get lost trying to talk but about it, this. Yeah. I'd have to like really, really read the books, like 
each one three or four times each yeah. to kind of understand I mean, how, how it all works. To, to Zahn's credit, though, right, even if as you're reading it, I don't feel like you, you never feel lost. You never, you know, mm. I, I, don't, I don't think, you, you know, you ever feel lost. It's it's intricate. It's incredibly detailed. And he plots out things yeah. in the first book or two that come up in the third. And, um, yeah, but you you don't have to remember every single detail to enjoy it you know right. it's just it's very very well written and that's zon that's the reason why zon is one of the best star wars authors out there yeah it's a bring us a little bit more specific i'd say the two books so the first book deals with uh the nikardun kind of uh not quite pirates but a lesser group of warlords i'm going to say within uh the uh the chaos mm-hmm. and it's you know the thing we discover of course is it's all about mm-hmm. jixtus's plan at the very end that's undermined the ascendancy the grisk um you know jixtus's race are you know trying to destroy the chist um and i'd say the, so the first book is kind of about introducing you to the characters setting up what the chaos looks like and then teases jixtus at the end mm-hmm. the next two i'd say are all about Jixus's plan coming to fruition and then falling apart as it, you know, the Chiss do battle. Um, well, and I, I'll say I thought Jixus made a fantastic foil for Thrawn, even though they barely interact throughout the three novels. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just had that level of depth and planning and strategy that we've come to associate with Thrawn and giving him an opponent that is doing the same. You know, he talks right. about how he's there's a very careful, almost like House of Cards, he is putting together to bring down the ascendancy, these careful balancing of internal conflicts and external conflicts. Um, that is just really cool to see get developed throughout all three novels. Mm-hmm. And it, also, I think the thing that I was most impressed by with Zahn's writing is it feels like an elaborate plot. It feels like you're, you know, uh, reading or watching a mystery novel or movie but it never feels like you're lost or confused by what the plot is act- like, what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And that balance I think is super impressive when you're trying to do, you know, effectively like uh, you don't know what his plans are. You, how do the pieces fit together? You know? Mm-hmm. And and it seemed like for me, especially with the second book, it's almost like just just had two plans because you kind of get the feeling with the second book, when it came to the, the like, buoy that, it was basically trying he, – he wanted to start a civil war within the Chiss, and he found two families. Actually, it, the, the, this is the thing I really appreciated the most. You really only followed one family through this whole process of being you know, snookered by um, – um, God, I forgot the guy's name that was from the Egg Bowie. Uh, Hapleaf. Hapleaf, Hapleaf. Yep. right. So Hapleaf comes to this one family saying, look, you know, we, we are we – are, you know, we are nomads, cultural nomads who are going through the chaos and basically just we settle down, we plant crops, we trade and we pick up the culture of the people and then go from there. And it seems like that's innocent enough. But technically what he's doing is at a, at a point he's got this material, uh, Nyaks. Yep. Yes, Nyaks, that it's like, well, we don't know what this is, but we've fashioned it into jewelry. And Nyaks is, you know, very valuable. And he's passing it off to like this Chiss farmer who tries to go up to their local patriarch. And you're following that one story from one family. But later you come to find out that it's three other families as well. That's what I loved about this. I loved the the piece. You can see him like slowly. I'm like, oh, I don't. It's just a piece of jewelry. I don't know what it yep. is. And as the Chiss are like, ah. And I, the Chiss have always been kind of arrogant. That was mm. even more so in Legends. And I love how it flows through here where the chiss are all like uh, those these foolish farmer agrarians they don't understand what they have but i'm mm-hmm. like this will be this is the key to my family's success right. and then having that slowly doled out just a little bit of information at a time to bring the three families together in a moment of conflict and to right. kind of try and kickstart this chiss civil war completely on accident yeah yep it's brilliantly plotted i i will say the 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 one I think the 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 one thing I I maybe wasn't my favorite part of the trilogy was was Hapleaf's story and the the Yagbui. I think that was 
it was the the everything you described I loved. Um, mm-hmm. But I think overall I found it a little bit harder to get into and enjoy at first because it was it was so different and different so and different characters and their motivations right. weren't really clear and and so I think that was probably the only weak part of Greater Good uh, compared to like the, the first book or or of course mm-hmm. or Lesser Evil. Um, you know that that I didn't love. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't my favorite, right? Um, I, and and I think I think I know what might be the thing is the the memories. It was a flashback between the two mid agers, the Yopanek and Yomi, that basically were the um um I'm gonna say this flat out these suckers yeah. that actually brought the Yagbui to that one planet. But and, yeah. and it was also how it was also how those two characters, which you could understand. Because the because Yoponek found these two mid-agers on a planet because they were doing their uh, let's say like an Australian walkabout. They're 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 going to get married. They're getting out there. They're trying to go to this planet to watch bird migrations, and Yoponek's trying to get them to get to their planet so he can meet their patriarch and kind of set this up. But they're leading them all over the place, mm-hmm. and I think that's the part to where it kind of slows the book down because they're constantly going to bird migrations. And, and you could just tell that Yoponek is like, we've got to push this forward. we got to push this forward. And, and it just, it just, I, I see that bit to where it slows the second book down. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Stephen. I was going to say, I, I do agree. And I think what they were going for was, um, you know, a classic story of like, you know, effectively two teenagers who are, I don't want to say, too dumb to understand what they're doing but like they don't mm-hmm. really understand the world they don't know how to be in a relationship with each other um that was the vibe i, I think zon was going for mm-hmm. right um i'll definitely agree as far as like the memory sections of the books go it was probably the least compelling part of the three novels yeah yeah i ag- agree yeah. you know by the end of it by the end of um greater good i did start to you know enjoy the the you know i think as the as the plot started to coalesce and it started to make sense suddenly what was going on um i started to enjoy the scenes with hapliff a lot more mm-hmm. but yeah I, I i agree you know i think they were just you know yapanek and yomi were they were fine you know i was surprised yeah. when yomi got sent out the airlock um mm-hmm. yeah but otherwise it was just you know it was just average instead of great like the rest of the of the trilogy Right. Um, and I think also coming off of the first book, um, where the, there are a number of flashbacks with, uh, all three of the books have flashbacks, but in the first book, they're all based on Thrawn and Thrawn's mm-hmm. perspective and history and how he is found. And, um, we get like him, you know, meeting Anakin Skywalker, but from the opposite point of view, you know, we saw Anakin's point of view. Now we see Thrawn's point of view of the same meeting, um, and you know, Zahn like ties a lot of these pieces together in a really p- fantastic way. And then, you know, in this book you get Haplift's antics in flashbacks and I'm like, ah, okay, yeah. it's not my favorite story. But then we go to, to lesser evil and the flashbacks are again, Thrawn, you know, not quite as, you know, revelatory as the flashbacks in the first book, but still, Ooh, I disagree. I'm with Steven. I disagree completely. So let's, Oh, not quite. Take, not quite, I feel like. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's take let's take a segue though. So sure. Okay. Book book three. Well, sorry, just as a little bit of background. So book one and two, both we see a Thrawn continuing to get into trouble and you know, Supreme uh is it Supreme General Bakif, mm. kind of head of the expansionary fleet, you know, oh lots of people always coming to defend Thrawn, um, you know, and promote him and so on. Book three starts to explain a little bit more through the memories, you know, mm-hmm. sections of what is happening here. Mm-hmm. We meet Thras, who is, uh, you know, comes to be Thrawn's brother, not necessarily in blood, but in, um, you know, their feelings for each other. Mm-hmm. And we discover that the Keith and the Stilba, who are kind of one of the ancient families, they've given up power. Um, we to come to discover that they, they seem to have a plan for Thrawn, you know, and, and for Thras. Thrawn is the, the tactical brains and Thras is the political know-how. And they believe that together they're the ones who will save the Ascendancy. Mm-hmm. And we come to learn, you know, sadly, that Thras passed away uh, 
I, I think the only thing they really mentioned in the book is it was a part of a like a Vagari pirate attack, as I believe what they say. But, the but there was final, a human with him. But the final right. memory sequence is Thrawn with a human as they're they there's a they're talking as their ship is apparently about to crash, and the you know they comment you know, or the human I believe says something along the lines of you know like you're we're crashing within you know your people's space. It may take them a while, but they'll find it eventually. Mm-hmm. And then, then the, the ship apparently crashes, and you know it seems that Thras seems to die there. That sounds an awful lot like something we have seen before out of Star Wars. Outbound. That sounds flight. like outbound, outbound flight. flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I went. I if you go and look at Wikipedia and look up flat, uh, Thras, Thras, what you will see is that Thras was a character in the original Outbound Flight novels. Which I had forgotten about until I got to that chapter. Ditto. And then Same. I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. That's Thras. Oh my goodness. The, the funny thing <laughs> is between the three of us, you both remembered. I completely forgot about it because it's been so long since I've read Outbound Flight and I love that book and completely forgot about that. Oh, it's, yeah. So it's, I, do you think we'll see Outbound Flight inside of the new canon? Uh, but that would have to be written by Thrawn. I mean, that's the... by Thrawn or by Zahn. Sorry, Zahn. <laughs> <laughs> I I suspect Zahn is doing what he just like what he has done with so many other aspects of his Thrawn books is alluding to events um, so that they can mostly be canonized again. And maybe the book itself isn't canon, the original book, but the events are uh in, mm. at least in to some degree or or some you know amount of the events uh is, is canon and i love that i think i think that's great even if you know outbound flight never becomes i mean i think actually it's safe to say out, the outbound flight program the ship everything that is that is you know kind of back in the the canon but the the book outbound flight and exactly what happens and all the characters you know may not be but that 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 I think right now is something. I think it's a great compromise. Gonna, though. Yeah, and and I, I I'm looking for the what since the end of this book, what can Thrawn? Uh, sorry, what can Zon write next? So I mean, a, let me ask a similar question. Would you want him to rewrite Outbound Flight for the new canon? I don't. I don't. Think, I don't know what. I don't think so. Actually, either Outbound Flight or Survivor's Quest, which is the novel where we discover Outbound Flight, you know, when Luke and Mara find it. Part of me immediately was like, oh, I hope he does. I was like, oh, but I don't know what, what are you going to tell in those books? Right. What's going to actually happen that's of interest? And that's why I think alluding to the events so that they can mostly be canon, you know, minus Mara, for example, or maybe, you know, but... But, you know, at least he's alluding to the events that, hey, outbound flight was a thing. It maybe maybe it happened differently than was told in, you know, those those legends books. But it it was mm. a thing. And I think that's right. really cool. Um, and that's why yeah, I, absolutely. you know, I really loved, you know, the, you know, I loved seeing that, you know, the, the outbound flight was a thing. I loved seeing the I think the other big revelation was that Thrawn was sent to you know, to the, to the empire. Uh, he wasn't actually, he, he wasn't actually exiled. I yes. thought we knew that already though. Well, or, and actually maybe I should say maybe that, and maybe I'm, cause I did a reread of the uh-huh. original Thrawn novels not that long ago mm-hmm. that maybe that was original canon or legends. And now they're bringing it back in. I will be honest. I cannot, I, 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 I I'm the old part. I can't remember. Yeah. I just, I just love how all that was set up. I loved how this book set that up to where he does come into the empire. And also, did you guys also get the feeling of this? You know exactly where his loyalty lies. Yep. It's the Chiss ascendancy. Bingo. He, he, regardless. Yes. So, and this is, I'll say, this is actually one of my concerns coming out of this series. Okay. Because uh, so it ends with, you know, they're going to try. Thrawn says he thinks he'll be back in the ascendancy within a year. 
hopefully mm-hmm. having, you know, learned something that he will be able to, um, you know, put to use defending the ascendancy against the Grisk. Right. But we know that's not what happens. Thrawn is there for more, much more than a year. Um, and we, and this is where I wish I could remember the other Thrawn, uh, not trilogy, the other ones that were a part of the new mm-hmm. canon. Because it does, there, you know, there's a whole discussion there about whether Thrawn's loyalty is to the Chiss right. or to the Empire. And it, Thrawn seems to be making the argument that it's it's both. He believes he's believes there's a threat to the Chiss and to the Empire, and the best way to deal with it is to, you know... Yeah, and that's classic the, Thrawn. The two of them work together. That's, yeah. that's classic Thrawn, where he's like, I see a problem no one else sees. I'm going to solve it in right. my, my own way. And in this case, that's serving the Empire... So that the Empire can serve the Chiss Ascendancy, basically, or, or right. help the Chiss Ascendancy. And so, yeah, I think that makes complete sense and, for his character. And we kind of got that in this third book, that final battle. Yeah. He actually did have other races, which really, I think that was one thing that made a lot of, like General Bakif and, and a lot of the, the other generals um, mad, because Thrawn was working with other races to bring down Jyxtus. Mm-hmm. And also, um, uh, what's the other one that he was on the ship with? Uh, um, Kalori? Yeah, not Kalori. Kalori, no. Um, oh, oh, oh. oh um, uh, um, I, the Pakash. I don't uh, remember this. No, no, not, not, not the Pakash. It's, it's, the, it's the race that Jixtus brought in that he's on that battle cruiser. It oh, was oh, General, the, General Lirius Nakari. Yeah, General Lirius Nakari. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of the Kilji, Illumis. Their big thing was, we're going to bring everybody under us and we're going to make them enlightened. Everybody's going to become us enlightened. And Thrawn, because he had this feeling, and you knew the way he was setting up the final battle, the Chiss were not going to go along with him. He had to basically bring in Admiral Admiral Arlani. He brought in Smackrow. He brought in basically allies. But he also brought in the other races, like you already said, the Pakash mm-hmm. and two other races to help in this final battle. But so I still think it gets back to the biggest thing for him. It's the Chiss Ascendancy. So I'm, I'm going to stop talking about the books for a moment, but I, I'm okay. curious to get your opinions. I'm concerned. So first of all, I don't. So at the end of this trilogy, the Grisk are defeated. They're not defeated, but their their first foray into ascendancy has been defeated, and the you know Bakif and others are sure that they will try again. At the end of the next trilogy, um, with uh, is it Eli Vanto, I believe, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the Grisk are still. I don't think the Grisk are defeated, as I recall. They're still kind of feeling their way around, right? Right. I so there. I see two options. One. The Ahsoka series will deal with the Grisk, or it will they'll bring it into hmm. the rest of uh, hmm. I'm gonna call it the sequel canon. Cause that that is what Thrawn's goal is, based on everything we've seen out of these right. three novels, is protecting the ascendancy, protecting the grisk. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh or sorry, defeating, They're defeating the, the grisk. grisk. Right. Excuse me. Um But everything we see of him in Rebels is obviously is a villain. What the single hint we've gotten of him in the Mandalorian shows him as a villain with Ahsoka desperately hunting him down. Um, I think option A is we're going to see Thrawn reduced to a bit more of a two dimensional, you know, Imperial bad character, mm-hmm. which is what I, I know I'm, hope I'm not. I don't want to say more. Yeah, I, I hope, hope not. not, but that's what I'm afraid it will be. You're right. Uh, or we're going to see an interesting pivot where, does this do these books are they actually setting up a bigger conflict that we're going to start to see play out across Interesting. Yeah, the Disney Plus series? Okay, but that that is that is the one thing you have to hope. Okay, because because I, I have to hope because I don't think we're going to yeah. get books about it. Like yeah. at this point, we're talking about sequel tr- sequel era post Return of the Jedi era, and yeah, uh, for mm. better or worse, Lucasfilm seems to be kind of steering clear of telling any you know. Novel stories there. Right. Well, novel so, in terms of books, not novel in terms of new. I'm of two minds. Cause like on the one hand, 
you know, normally this feels like something that Theron would be setting up for his own future books, right? Because like, yes. yep. it's not super yes. common that you have something introduced in the books, like in this big way with all these hints, and then they take it off into into the into a series or something. Um, you know, and, and so it'd be pretty typical that Theron's like, oh, here I'm setting up this this the the Grisks, and I'm kind of laying hints about their backstory, and it's all going to come to a head later in the future. Uh, that's how I feel like it would normally happen. Um, however, to your point, Stephen, I don't know. Like now that Thrawn, once Thrawn appeared in Star Wars Rebels, he became Dave Filoni's property. He became, you know, and his future, I feel like, has mm-hmm. kind of been blocked off, where yep. they can tell his story up until the point where he shows up in Rebels, and mm-hmm. after that, he is a on-screen character. And yep. until they flesh out his story a lot more on the screen and maybe even, even if they do that, maybe, you know, maybe it'll, you know, I don't, I don't think Thrawn, Thrawn Zahn could write another novel until they finish Thrawn's story, uh, yep. in the, in the, in the TV show. Agreed. I don't think he'll be Agreed. allowed to. Right. So either he's setting up something that will never happen <laughs> or he's setting yeah. up something that's for a show because, you know, why, why, why would he spe- you know spend all of this time setting up the Grisks in both of these trilogies to never resolve it? Because he's a good writer and he's giving us <laughs> one of the biggest cliffhangers in Star Wars history. The problem is it's not a cliffhanger though. It's yeah. There's not. It's, well, it's uh, okay. Okay. Then then then, it's, then it's an untied thread. I don't think we say it's yeah, the biggest it, cliffhanger because like you know I'm your father big moment. That's pretty big. Okay. But. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a okay. So but but it's an but untied no, it, thread. It's, but, yeah. I'd actually call it it's it's flat Earth territory. It's not <laughs> that you've reached. And I'll, let me explain this. It's not that okay. you've hit the Grand Canyon. And you're like, oh wow, this is a huge cliff. Mm. It's. You hit the end of the world and you don't know if there is more world on the other side because the world is flat now for some reason right. or if that's just all there is and you've just hit the end. Okay, I I agree with you because right now I would hope there is more to the story because I am more, uh, I'm going to say, I am more interested in this than some of the other stuff that's been coming out recently. I, I love Thrones writings. And and I love the characters that he's developed, and and he then the best thing about it is, the characters that he develops are consistent through each of his books, mm-hmm. and you like them even more. Like, you know, you've got my one of my favorite characters is is uh, Mid Captain Simacro, love him. Mm-hmm. And then you got Thalius, and you got Cheery, you've got Admiral Erlani, and 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 Lakinda, who Stephen, you said she changed her name, so. You know, you've got these characters that are so well-developed that he's carried through all these books that you want to see more come from this. So you yeah. you hope that you can see something more. But, Stephen, I kind of agree. Right now, it is kind of a brick wall because he's already set up where Thrawn is at the end of this book. And you've got to get past this before the rest of the story is told. And here's... There's, well, there's two other options. Maybe, I don't know if it's two options. There's another possibility here, which is we don't know when the Ahsoka, well, actually, before we get to that piece, one of the problems with just introducing, say, the Grisk is the main villain of Ahsoka or any other Disney Plus shows is everything they do in the the Mandalorian time period is running up against uh, episodes seven, eight, and nine. Right. And we know the state of the galaxy-ish going into 7, 8, and 9. And so they are very limited, I think, in what they can do mm-hmm. at that point in time. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe they do the grist there and it, it, instead of being a major you know, galactic conflict, it's a smaller thing. Or maybe it ends up being a bigger thing. I, hard to say. The other possibility is, what if Ahsoka and other novels are set post... Hmm. Uh, what do you call it? Post-9. Interesting. And this is, and what if there's a lot of allusions to the Grisk are kind of, I'm going to say, using Vong like in terms of how they're talked about and approach. Mm-hmm. They're a mysterious force. They're coming in to undermine the, the order of the galaxy. They have large ambitions, but very uh, small thus far, at least, 
you know, impact and they're moving slowly. Mm -hmm. One possibility and, is that we're and, building up and this will, this is meant to play a larger role as part of that. Yeah. And, and the other thing you left out that they literally, if they are cornered, they will not let themselves be seen. Any of their ships be boarded. They yep. literally destroy themselves. We know very, very little about them. Yeah. By the end of all, all of these novels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's clearly setting them up for something. I guess the question will be what, you know, I, I guess yeah. another option is, you know, maybe you know, we don't know the state of the unknown regions. And so it's very right. possible that, you know, we know that Ezra, um, you know, and Thrawn jumped off into the unknown regions and, you know, presumably Ahsoka and Sabine are going to be going after them. And that's the whole, uh, the, the whole thrust of the, the Ahsoka show is kind of that journey mm -hmm. to go find Ezra and, and by extension Thrawn. Um, and that could be, that could take place entirely in the unknown regions and it'd be a very unique, um, you know, uh, uh, Never before they could do some things that we haven't seen in Star Wars before because it, they're mm -hmm. kind of outside of the known galaxy. Uh, and maybe the Grisks Good. are the big villain there because they're in the unknown regions at that point. Well, well, how about this? So we know that Thrawn and Ezra basically went to the unknown regions. We, we saw that in Rebels. Um, there was a thing to where Thrawn and Anakin Skywalker at one point did work together. Mm -hmm. So who's to say once they get into the unknown regions? that maybe Thrawn was able to talk Ezra off of his, you know, whatever. And they start working together. And because of that, it leads into the Gris and then Ahsoka and Sabine kind of helping the Chiss and kind of, kind of seeing all that in, 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 in what's going on out there in the unknown or as, as the Chiss like to call the chaos, um, start seeing that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, I just had a really wild and crazy theory. Um, probably not going to happen, but we were talking about the beginning of the episode, how the Chiss Ascendancy has been, and, and then under Thrawn has, sorry, Zahn, <laughs> now I'm doing it. I know, has, I, I, I'm sorry. And I how Zahn has, has developed an intricately detailed, um, uh, all, the, all the, not just the Chiss, but all of these species in, mm -hmm. in the Unknown Regions. What if that wasn't just for this trilogy? What if that's because they're going to use this in the Ahsoka series and it was kind of a, just an aspect of world building for that show? So I'm going to say this in the nicest way possible, William, um, which <laughs> it still isn't very nice. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> that that would be more forethought being put into the future of Star Wars than they've put into it thus far. Yeah. And, it, and don't get me wrong. If they're doing that, I am thrilled. I don't I, have a lot of faith that uh, that's what they're doing, though. I think I, 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 I'm going to side with Steven in this respect, because if you take a look at the news releases that have been coming out about the Halcyon, and where that fits into the story, the Starlight Beacon is part of the Halcyon story, which goes back to the High Republic. And the High Republic has a part of the story within the Halcyon. So it seems like they're kind of world building that. And then I think somewhere I heard that um, Anakin and Padme have been on the ship. So that jumps into the prequel trilogy. And then it also said that some point within the story, you had Luke and Leia on the ship. So th they're more concerned about that than I think going forward to where you're thinking. And that to me is where they're world building now. You could be right. I, I like I said, it's a crazy out there theory, but I, I had to throw it out because um, it could make sense why, you know, that or just Zahn is just a fantastic writer. And, and, and I, for, <laughs> and that's the for, end for, of it. For my, from, but, but William, I, I agree because from my perspective, I, would rather see more stories from what I read. I'm reading now within this story plot, along with, you know, Mandalorian, along with throwing in what's going to happen to Ahsoka and Cassian Andor, then going with her right now with the publishing initiative with the High Republic. 
I think the better stories that I'm interested in are what I just said and the Thrawn books. And okay, yes, I'm biased. I've read we all all three of us know we've all read these Thrawn books all the way back to the original Tim, Timothy Zahn books, and we mentioned Outbound Flight. We know this character, and the, he's such a great writer. This is where I want to see the stories right now is right here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I guess we will we'll we'll see. There's a lot of interesting yeah. possibilities. Um in the meantime, though, I, I'd love to change gears a little bit and let's talk about the um uh I'd love to talk more about Thalius and, and her journey, as well as uh Sherry and of course how that relates to the Magius and and her special abilities. Mm-hmm. What what did you guys think of of uh, these characters? I I think when it came to the third book, I had Thalys was a good character, and same thing with Cherry. But I think when it came to the third book, um, they 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 grew better on me. And when it came to the Magus, I am, might be wrong. I think that because of she had kept talking about the the beyond. They must be some kind of force sensitivity because mm-hmm. there was a point in which the Magus wanted or actually did take over Cherry. And Cherry was well, yeah, mm-hmm. and, yeah. And and on top of that, it's like through Cherry, she's like, she sees death, she sees this, she sees that. And I think it was, I can't remember, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Thrawn is like, get out of her. Just stop. You know, just just leave. Or no, Thalius. Leave her alone. Samarco. Yeah. Or Samacro. I, I love the character Samacro. I, I I just I, anyway. I, I'll say it. one of the things I think again that I think Zahn did that really made this a uh, fascinating space to play in is the rest of the galaxy has a very established uh, I'm gonna say relationship with the Force. We have yeah. the Jedi, we have the Sith, and then occasionally we get I'm gonna say one offs like like on Dathomir with the Night Sisters. Mm. One of the things I think that made the chaos and the ascendancy in that region and the unknown region so interesting was how many different um, facets there were, I would say, of how that part of the, the universe is approached. You have the Skywalkers who are the Chiss navigators who lose their sensitivity after, you know, basically after they become teenagers. They're, um, they can see, you know, just barely into the future. You got the Pathfinders who kind of do the same thing, but seem to have other abilities in that they can detect other Pathfinders, they can follow them, um, but they can't detect the Skywalkers. Mm-hmm. And then you had the Magus, who is, her people are, you know, they join what they call the Beyond and seem to have a very, I'm going to say, Night Sister-like qualities. And they're like, oh no, the Beyond is it, they, there are spirits there that are angry and capable of, you know, lending their influence and power to physical beings. Um, and the fact and the magus or the magus, however you pronounce it, close like, enough. Played very. That was a huge part of what Jixus's whole plan was: is he wanted to, to capture the magus and find a way to use her powers in combination with his own navigators to you know start to foresee battles or you know practice effectively battle meditation. Um, and it's same. And he did this with the technology as well, where it's like everything is just i'm gonna say slightly worse than than the rest of the galaxy in Mm -hmm. some ways there it's not quite as sophisticated but it leaves a lot of room for like oh they're all approaching this differently and it's it was just really cool to see how those different pieces were kind of playing with each other and how they were Mm -hmm. getting interconnected i agree i was it was I, i loved how it was just just a little bit different than the rest of the galaxy, a little bit worse, you know, um, mm-hmm. the, the, the Magius's motivations, uh, were very interesting. Um, and how, you know, I think for the most part, Thrawn was like making up that there were more of them, but I don't think they ever really answer that. Right. They don't really no. know if there was, if there were more or not. Well, I, I thought I, I think confirmed that there were other people that were able to do it. And then Thrawn was lying about there being one other when really right. there were multiple potentially. Yeah. Yeah. And and he did that. He did that just to set up Jixus, in my opinion. When, right. when I read that, it's just like it, right. it was a setup to basically lure him in. Yeah. It's but it's it, it, it's a really interesting um, 
species. And the fact that the Bagus, you know, you think she's on their side and then she, you know, she takes over uh, Sherry at the end. It's, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It was unexpected when I was reading it. That, that really surprised yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I loved, I liked seeing Thalias's journey and, and, and Sherry. I guess the one thing I was surprised by is we didn't actually get to see Sherry lose her, um, her, her third sight. Uh, yeah. But she did end up being go, she did end up going out to the ranch when it was She over. did though. Yeah. They, they hinted yeah. at it. I, I wasn't sure if they were going to show us cause like they, they talked about, you know, uh, Thalias, there were chapters where she would remember when she lost her third sight ability. Right. Um, and I was, I was expecting us to see Sherry go through it and they started to hint that it was beginning to happen potentially. Yeah. Um, but we never got to see that. Yeah. Um, they, they, they texted her out to pasture. Yeah. I did not get that at all. You didn't. No, my, my read is her abilities seem to be, they, after the, she was distant from the Magus, her, she'd returned to kind of normal. She could no longer, was no longer quite as prescient as she was before, mm-hmm. but she was going to the ranch for, to study and basically let the chase start to see if they could learn more about the beyond and how their Skywalkers might be able to connect to it. Mm-hmm. And Thrawn in particular had a great line I loved, which was, um, he's like, imagine that you're every person you've ever met is humming one note. Yep. And mm-hmm. then when you go and meet someone else, a different person and either they're humming a different note or they're not humming at all. Um, suddenly the nuance becomes much more clear. And so I, it was kind of, it was one of those little open teasers where I, it's a, I could Sherry represent a new uh, era for the Chiss Skywalkers. I can yeah. see it. I, I can see it too. And then that's abilities, perhaps lasting longer, um, you know, not losing their abilities or I don't know. It was yeah. left to, as an open question, uh, ironically with Thrawn's sister. Right. Which yeah. that, that was another one that was just like, he, a sister. As you know, like, <laughs> William. Um, that, that was like, Oh really? That's interesting. I mean, I wish that, they, the other they, thing, they, I wish they'd spent more time with her. We, it was very brief. It was like, yeah, you, you find out this lady is is Thrawn's sister, and then they just kind of moved on and never went back to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it that part was too bad. Um, but as we always say, it could be setting up something else for a wider story later on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another dynamic I found interesting was uh, Patriarch Thurfian's journey. He starts out as this you know low ranking not low ish ranking uh syndic and uh, you know who's plotting uh to take over um uh to, to kind of take out thrawn and it, you know originally he and uh oh shoot why am i blanking on his name i know um, I, i'm thinking the same thing the uh the arizzi is it lakuvi is it lakuvi no, they were buddies. They 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 were friends. I know the one yeah. you're talking about. They were like really close friends. I'm, uh, I'm looking in the book right now. Yeah, hang on. Maybe it was like a yeah, maybe it was. Um, no, but they. Um, I, should, I can't believe I can't remember. Um, you know, they were plotting to take down Thrawn, and for the longest time they were, and then all of a sudden, Thurfian becomes a patriarch, and his whole perspective changes, and he doesn't. He suddenly doesn't really have Thrawn, uh, you know, uh, taking out Thrawn as his number one goal anymore. Uh, and it, it was really interesting to see him kind of mature a little bit. And at the end of the, at the, in the end, he ends up, you know, uh, Thalias actually goes in and kind of convinces him to, uh, to, to get mad at <laughs> to kind of go after Thrawn again, but only so that they could set up that big, final battle um but yeah he, he you know anyway what i don't know what do you guys think of his, his journey yeah i'll say i also i thought it tied in very well especially um i mean this was i think a theme of lesser evil as a whole but i, I love this theme of um like species over family effectively mm-hmm. it's yeah 
a number of characters all go through this journey um, at different paces and with different results, but of realizing like, oh, there's a bigger picture here. Um, you have, you know, in the second book, for example, uh, Lakinda realizes like, oh, I'm doing all these things to try and promote my family, the Zodlak, and in doing so, I didn't even realize I was hurting the, the ascendancy as a whole, or I was threatening civil war. Mm-hmm. Thurfian's journey is similar, and I've really appreciated his uh, final chapter where he meets, I think, um, was it, is it Zistal, Zistalmu? Zistalmu, like yeah, Zistalmu, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's driving me crazy. Uh, it was like on the tip yeah, of my tongue. Go. Thank um, you. But this moment of, hey, you know, the Arizi and the myth are, again, they're, they're locking heads constantly, but maybe we don't have to. Maybe it's important yeah. for us to keep open these lines for for the greater good, or the, you know, um, or working with you is the lesser of two evils, to right. borrow both book titles. Um, and as I thought as uh, a, a unifying theme, I thought worked really, really well. And also just summarized the chist very well. Like this is a ton of political infighting and, you know, them needing to realize that there's a bigger picture here and that there's more they need to deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And yeah. I think the other thing when it came to Thalius, wasn't it her journey? She was originally put on the ship. Uh, the, I think it was a Springhawk mm-hmm. or Scott Springhawk. Yeah. To keep an eye on uh, Thrawn. By Thurfian. Yeah, by Thurfian. Yep. And I believe it was Samacro who the whole time kept thinking that she was there basically to do harm to him. And and it's just like it's just I, I loved I loved that. Like you just that whole thing was just just but I gotta say this. It's, I, I let, let me get this out because I've been dying to say this. This happened in the second book. It was during one of the battles, um, and I cannot remember who the lower the, the lower officer was, but it was like mid-Captain Smacro. It was one of the battles in which I think the lower officer kind of looked at Smacro and said, you know, is Thrawn trying to be political in this case or what's ever going on? And I love Smacro. I think I'm going to paraphrase the quote. Smacro's like, Thrawn doesn't know. Thr- Thrawn's not political because he doesn't know how to be political. I mm-hmm. that that summed up Thrawn right there. It he did. doesn't play politics. Yeah, he's, and it, he's just tactical. And it showed how uh, Thras and Thrawn were kind of such good friends because Thras was more political and he kind of help balance out Thrawn in those areas. And whereas whereas Thrawn is the brilliant tactician, and you know, and, and you can you can really tell in lesser evil that Thrawn is, is, is very, um, he's, he's very, he's worse off without Thras by his side. Yes. uh, And without that partnership. It's interesting. I actually think Thrawn in lesser evil, especially is demonstrating that he's learning that side of things. That's true. Yeah. The the reveal at the end of, well, Hey, there's the, you know, yes, he may not always deal with Chiss politics well, but he's brought in all these other allies. Um, but the real at the end that he was one of the ones that planned his own exile. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that. was a great example of Thrawn applying that his mm-hmm. tactical foreknowledge of like this is how it's going to play out, and this is what we need to do. Right. Yeah. He may not get it all the time, but when he does get it, he, he he's great. And right. yeah, the, w- that reveal when they they find out that he planned his own exile was just. Uh, that was a great surprise to me, at least. Cause I didn't remember that from the previous Thrawn books. I know Stephen, you mentioned maybe that was that was in some of the the past books, but um, I didn't remember that. And so the fact that it was all part of Thrawn's plan to be exiled, when they 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 were like, "Yeah, we're gonna drop you off on a on a on a planet where we know people pass by occasionally, and eventually we'll hear your signal." And if, you know, if, if nobody picks you up, we'll move you to another planet and try yep. again for another couple of weeks. It was yep. just it was great. Yep. It was so so brilliant. I think I think for me, one of the better things was the final battle between Thrawn and Jextus. And Jextus was like, he comes into this whole battle scene of these Chiss battle, you know, star cruisers, battleships, little gunboats, all looking like they are, quote unquote, destroyed. Mm-hmm. And just the way Thrawn was just like suckering him in saying, you know, it kind of like when you read how Timothy Zahn wrote this. He started out like when Jixus is like gloating and Thrawn is like, you know, kind of weak and how he's talking back and forth. And Jixus is still gloating. 
and Thrawn kind of gets a little bit stronger in, in his, you know, goading on Dejextus. And you could just tell he's goading him into this final battle. And then when it gets to the end, Thrawn just goes, yeah, I have one last thing. And Jessica's is like, what? And Thrawn just goes, are you ready to surrender? I mean, <laughs> so I was like, I was like, my yeah. God, just the way Zahn wrote that. And the way he wrote the rest of that battle and how I think it was the Pakash were the last ones to come in to help. Or was it a different different one of the outer chaos um, species that came in to help? Just how it all played out was amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it was. I, I, I thought that battle was, was fantastic. Another one I really loved was the big... Um, the big fake space battle uh, in, yes. in greater good. I think that was probably yes. my favorite of the, tr- of the trilogy uh, yes. where, you know, they, in order to stop the, the conflict right between the, 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 the different ruling families, they had this entirely faked uh, battle with remotely controlled ships and it yep. was all for show. Mm-hmm. It was brilliant. Yes. I don't know. Uh, yes. Steven. I, I'll just say I liked all the battles a lot, and you can tune in next week for my detailed breakdown of the tactics and strategy of the Chiss Ascendancy. Uh, we'll go in depth into how, the different weapons they use, when you can use them, uh, and kind of how best to get the most out of your, you know, Chiss Night Dragons and uh, Man of Wars. So uh, yeah, stay don't, tuned for that. Don't get our listeners excited, Stephen. They're going to expect it. <laughs> you do. You know what, William? I, I, if, if enough people ask for it, I will gladly sit down and write that podcast out. You don't need, will, you will, even need to be there. I will just record it, and you know it'll it'll probably only clock in at you know, one or two hours. It should be fine. <laughs> uh, but more seriously, um, I'll just say like military sci-fi is where I do a lot of my reading, and mm-hmm. Zahn. I've read other military sci-fi that Zahn has written, and this ranked up there with them. And I think the thing I appreciated most is he did a lot of this inside the Star Wars universe where uh, the 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 science fiction of it, the like the more grounded piece was always a little bit fuzzier. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was not the case at all for any of these books. Like it really felt like he thought through what is the technology available and how would it how would it play out in all these cases? Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I've, I, I've got, I've got one more thing about the books, especially when it came to this last one. I like how at the end, um, Thrawn brought up the whole thing about he heard that you've had the rebel, um, that you've had the uh, separatists defeated, and then he had that whole thing about basically summarizing what happened between you know the separatists and the republic. And how he did bring up that now it appears to be over. There's this new empire there. I hope I get to see General or talk to General Skywalker again. That I thought was interesting. That's got to be a hint, right? It has to be a hint. Well, no, because remember, we did see that. Didn't we see that in Rebels? Oh, that's true. You're right. Yeah. You're right. No, you're right. Yeah, it was it was it was a foreshadowing to that. Because I do remember in Rebels. That was brought up, and I swear, I, I remember Thrawn basically saying the line, talking about Skywalker and how he missed him, or something to that extent, mm-hmm. right next to Darth Vader. But you also got the feeling Thrawn knew that was Anakin Skywalker because the way the line was delivered. I mean, I, I, I loved that. I just loved how that was thrown in there. I could not agree yeah. more. It was... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This... I've really, I really enjoyed this trilogy of books. It was, it, you know, it was not a hundred percent perfect, but the the books were overall, you know, I thought quite, quite good. Yep. Um. So, I don't know. Shall we? Is it time for our our final ratings? What, what do you guys think? Oh, God. Yeah. Um. Ten done. Ten for both books. For both, okay. Because I was yeah, gonna ask, both. yeah, what would you give? What would you give? No, both. Each one, both. Okay. Who wants to go next? I. 
<laughs> Wait, Tom, what are you doing with your womp rats? Tom, Tom, what are you doing with your womp rats? Hold on. Oh, you gotta. You oh, gotta... wait, whoa. Okay. Getting a little uh, rusty. My... Okay, I know. Sorry. <laughs> oh, so that means I have 20 womp rats. So my 20 womp rats are going to be exiled with Thrawn. 10 of them are going to go to the first planet he goes to because, you know, he probably had to jump to a different planet. So 10 of them are going to be there and 10 are going to be at the second planet before he actually gets found. There you go. Or 10 are going to be on the one planet and the other 10 ended up being with Jextus. <laughs> nice. Or 10 with the Yagbui and 10 with Jextus. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. I, I have to be done or I could go further. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> uh, Steven, go next. Uh, I mean, I'll also give them both 10s. Um, they are absolutely up there with some of my favorite Star Wars books. And I, I said this, I think, when we re- reviewed the first one in this trilogy. Um, these are the books I wanted to read when I read, like, the Thrawn duology the first time. And I was a little disappointed we didn't, like, we got a little bit of the Chiss Ascendancy in, like, the New Jedi Order, but I always wanted more of it. Um, these were those books that I wanted to read, and Zahn handled them perfectly. And we talked about it a lot. My only my only hope and fear is that these get built on as a base and don't kind of get left to to be on the end. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna send uh, my twenty Womp Rats to serve in the Chase Expansionary Defense Fleet. Um, there's a lot of work to do rooting out the Grisk and finding out what's going on. So they're gonna you know get to work and go handle that. Awesome. They could um, be with mid captain some macro. Yeah, he'd probably love that. um you know i think overall yeah these these books are some of the some of the best star wars books i think you know the i i talked about it earlier i thought greater good was very enjoyable i love the space battle at the end the the scenes with with hapolif were were fine you know uh they weren't my my favorite um but they weren't weren't bad by by any stretch um uh, and, and so I think overall, I'd probably give greater good an 8.5, uh, out of 10. Uh, but lesser evil, I, I, I also really enjoyed. And, you know, I, I'd say I'd give that like a nine. It, they, they were, uh, just so incredibly detailed and, um, and just the, the world building and the plotting Thrawn is such a great character. And I'm so glad that Zahn had an opportunity to go and write these books and kind of dig into uh, dig into Thrawn's past and kind of how he got where he is. And hopefully we'll get to see more of this in in the future. Um, I, I hope well, there's no new ro- books on the roadmap so far for for Zahn, but I, I hope he has. I hope he, I hope he'll be involved in writing more. Yep. Um, so overall, uh, you know, like I said, eight and a half and nine Womp Rats, I'm going to get these, uh, what, 17 and a half Womp Rats. They're actually going to hang out with, uh, with Hapliff and, uh, he's going to go sell them like he did with the, the jewelry, but you know, he's, he's selling the Womp Rats, peddling them across but, the galaxy. But, but, but there's one problem with Hapleaf. He did. Well, remember he before. didn't make it off the planet. This oh, before. before. Okay. So he was with Yoponek and Yomi. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah, Yopanuk, Yomi, Haplif, and 17 and a half Womp Rats. Got it. Cool. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, this was fun. I'm so glad we finally got a chance to um, uh, to, to review Thrawn, Ascendancy, Greater Good, and talk about Lesser Evil, which just came yeah. out last week. So, oh, so good. And, and we could have talked more about this. We can't. I feel man, like we just scratched the surface so on these more, books. But yeah. But oh my yeah, gosh, but, uh, but uh, you know we don't want to talk all of your ear off. I mean, no. G- Lesser Evil was a whopping uh, what oh, yeah. five hundred and fifty pages, some odd five hundred and forty. Yeah, five five fifty four five forty seven. Uh, it's a big old book, but it is good one. it's good. It is so good. So um, hats off to Timothy Zahn there, uh, and I want to thank you guys. It's been so much fun. It's been way too long since. We recorded. I know we've only been doing about one a month or one every five ish weeks or so. So mm-hmm. it's nice to talk to you both again. And yeah, it has been. And you know what? We we have 
the book of Boba Fett starting in what five weeks or so? You know what? It it, it can't come soon enough. It can't. It really can't. So no. you know, we might might give you guys another episode uh, between now and then. We're we'll see. But uh, if not, uh, we'll be back very soon with our review yep. of the book of Boba Fett. I am very excited. So um, am I. This will be fun. With that, thanks for listening. And for all of you in the, the U.S., have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And we'll talk yep. to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.